Right, with Hashem Salt, we're learning today Saita Dav Dalid. We left off on Dav Dalid all the way on top of the Amid. We are learning about a woman becoming a Saita, becoming legally suspected of being an adulteress. And that happens when her husband, if her husband, warns her, is Mekana her, not to be secluded with a specific individual. And after that warning, that happened in front of two witnesses, she was secluded with that specific individual. So asks the Gemara, how long does she need to be secluded with that individual for her to actually become a soita? Says the Gemara that the time of seclusion has to be the same time needed, the time needed for defilement. And how much time is the time needed for defilement, for Tumah? Kedebiya, the time needed for an act of cohabitation. And how much time is needed for an act of be of cohabitation? that the time needed for the beginning of the cohabitation. And as we learned previously in Yavamis and in other times, that an act of cohabitation could be divided into two stages. You have the beginning, the ha'ara'a, and we can read here the second line in Rashi, the ha'inu neshikas ever ba'isamakim. That is the beginning when the when the when the man's and the woman's private parts touch or kiss, Balash Rashi, and then you have the gemarbia when there is a full act of cohabitation. So the Gemara is clarifying that the time of stiram is the time of defilement, the time of cohabitation, meaning the time needed only to initiate the act of cohabitation. And how much time is that? The Gemara now, the Braisa now is going to give nine different opinions of Tanoim. So the opinion, the first opinion is the opinion of Rabbi Yishmael, Kedei HaKofas Dekel, the time that it takes to circle a palm tree. And as we'll see in a moment, that all of these nine opinions are opinions that bring it down to the wire. It's a specific amount of time. And it's a very short amount of time. Now, as the, the, the Tanoim did, they didn't give us a minute, a second. And this has to be translated in halacha, exactly how much time is that. We'll get to that in a moment. But the first opinion is, is that the Kedei Tumah, Kedei Bia, Kedei Ha'ara, is the time that it takes to walk around a palm tree. These are the words of Rabbi Yishmol. Rabbi Eliezer, opinion number two, says, Kedei Mzigas Hakois, the time that one needs to dilute a cup of water. Wine, after it's extracted from the grapes, is very thick, syrup-like, and in order for it to become drinkable, you have to dilute it with water. It was customary then that they used to put three portions of water into one portion of wine. And the time that it takes to make this dilution, that's Rabbi Eliezer. That is the time that if stira happened with that individual, let Rabbi Yeshua in front of two witnesses, then the woman becomes a soita. Opinion number three, Rabbi Yeshua says, It's not the time that it takes to dilute a cup of water of wine, it's a time that it takes to drink that cup of diluted wine. We'll see later some clarifications in these opinions. Benazai says, the time that it takes to roast an egg. Rabbi Kiva says, the time that it takes to swallow the egg. 
Here again, we're going to see later a clarification. Actually, Rabbi Kiva meant not only the time that it takes to swallow an egg, he meant the time that it takes to roast and then to swallow the egg. But we'll see that in a moment. The sixth opinion is, Rabbi Yehuda ben says, Not the time that it takes to swallow one egg, but the time that it takes to swallow three eggs consecutively. Rabbi Elazar ben Yirmiya says that the time of stira is the time the time that it takes for a weaver, for a professional weaver to tie a string to each other, a string ripped in middle, and you have to retie it. Now, a weaver is someone, being that he's a professional, or she is a professional, they know how to do it quicker. And the eighth opinion, Chanan ben Pinchas says, the time that it takes for the woman to put her hands into her mouth, to take a splinter that is stuck in her mouth. And the final, the ninth opinion in this b'raisa is the opinion of Pelemai, the time that it would take her to extend her hand into a basket, to take out a loaf of bread. And when it comes to Palemoi, says the Braisa, that even though that none of these shiurim are based on a Pasik, as the Gemara is going to say on Davdaladam at Beis, everyone was actually sharing his experience, giving the shir that it took him to what we would call to affect a tchilas bia with his spouse. And by the way, it doesn't mean that even though they, the Gemara says clearly, were sharing their own experience, this is not subject to every person's experience. Once the Chachamim established the shir, this shir becomes the halacha. Whether a specific individual needs less time or more time. But they, the Gemara says, established the shiurim based on their own Experience. In other words, there are nine natural models of human arousal, and those natural, those nine models are the ones used here in this brace. Now he has what we call a asmachta. There is a hint to it in a pasuk in Mishli, and we're going to learn a lot about this pasuk. The pasuk reads, "Kibaad isha for on account of a harlot, ad kikar lechem, to the extent of a loaf of bread." It's a cryptic Pasik. What does that mean? So he's using this Pasik as a zecher, as a hint. In other words, that how much time is the time of stira? And obviously, being that the man and this woman are not allowed to be together, so it's an act of znus. The time is the time of at kikar lechem, the time of a loaf of bread, something with a loaf of bread. As Palemoy says, the time that it would take a woman to take a bread out of a basket. This is the end of the Braisa. The Gemara is going to first focus on the big opening words of the answer. See, normally when you have a question, Kama Shir Stira, so you can have nine opinions. But the first opinion is Kedei Hakafas Dekel, the time that it takes to walk around to circle a palm tree. Why did the Gemara or the, the Braisa initially need to say Kedei Tuma, Kedei Bia? And then say, Why did we need all of those definitions? Give right away the shear. The Cholhana Lamali answers the Gemara Tzrichi. If the Tana only would have said, The time of Stira is the time that it takes for defilement. I would have thought, That even though the Braisa mentioned nine opinions, you have to add to all of those nine opinions. 
What do you need to add to those nine opinions? You need to add the time that it takes a man to seduce a woman. Now, that's another question. How long is that? The Bryce is not dealing with it. But a person might have misunderstood the Bryce. A person would have, thought, would have thought that all of these opinions are only defining after the, both of them consented the time that it takes to affect a tchilas bia. But on top of that, you also have to seduce her. So you would have thought, Kedei Tumasa ve'artsusa. So Kedei Hakafas Dekel plus the time of seduction. Right, Kedei Mizigas Kais plus the time of seduction. So that's why Komash Malan, that the only time needed of Tuma is only the time of Bia. So the, so the Braisa added Kedei Bia to exclude that we don't include the time of the seduction. Had the Braisa only said, I would have thought maybe the time that it takes to finalize a Bia. We wanted to clarify that the Din of a Saita is like all of the other Arroyos, that what is considered a halachic act of cohabitation, the time that it takes to initiate an act of Bia. However, says the Gemara, had the Braisa just mentioned the last statement, the time that it takes to initiate a act of cohabitation, I would have thought here also, that on top of the Shayurim, you have to add the time needed for seduction. So the Braisa needed to speak out all, to make it clear, it's Kedei Tuma. And Kedei Tuma means Kedei Ha'ara'a. And how much is that? And now the Braisa began with the nine opinions and the Gemara quotes the first of Rabbi Yishmol, Kedei Hakafas Dekel. Now, question is, why did the Braisa have to mention any of the words Kedei Tuma, Kedei Bia, Kedei Ha'ara? Why couldn't the Braisa just say, Kamashir Stira? So, Kedei Hakafas Dekel. And this is a question that Rashi speaks out. So let's look at Rashi inside. The Rashi is on the same height of the Hagos Habach. All right, I would say it's around nine lines. If you're going up from the narrow parts of Rashi, go up around seven lines. You have in the middle of Rashi, and you cannot ask, since at the end of the day, Shiura is, according to Rabbi Yishmael. So asks Rashi, why couldn't Abraisa just open up? What time is needed for the seclusion? to affect the din of a Saita, and the Braiser should have right away said, Kedei Hakafas Dekel. Question. Says Rashi, no, that's not a question. Because the Iboy Leilatana, Lefirushay Isur Stira, the Tana wanted to explain what's, why would we give a share of Hakafas Dekel or of the other eight opinions? Why is that the shear needed for Stira to affect a woman into a Saita? Mishumai. We want to be pushed, want to understand the rationale behind it. Is it because that's the time that it takes to make a Gmar beyond? Or is it the time that it takes only the beginning, the Ha'ara'a? Mishum Hakitana. So the Braisa Pashit wanted to explain. In other words, if the Braisa only was going to give you a black and white shear, it could have said, Kama Shear Stira, Kadeakafas Dekel. It wanted to explain why is that time needed for Stira to be effective? Because what will really make the woman prohibited is only if she actually became an adulteress, meaning she had a halachic act of cohabitation with that man. And the time that is needed for that act of cohabitation 
halachically, meaning only the beginning of the act, that is the time needed for stira, back in the Gemara. So we had a b'raisa with nine opinions. The Gemara is going to find another b'raisa, a teisefta. In that teisefta, only five of the nine opinions are brought. However, from those five opinions, some of them were authored by the same Tanoi mentioned in the first b'raisa. But the shir that they give apparently is not the same. And we're going to reconcile each one of these apparent contradictions. Asks the Gemara Vinimini, I have a contradiction. It says in a Tosefta that when the Torah says, Vinistadam, right in the parsha of Nasai, that a woman, right, was secluded with that man after the warning. Asks the Braise Vekama, Shir Stiran, how long does that need to happen? How long is this is the seclusion for it to render her a Saita? Shamano, the Pasik didn't teach us. However, but when the Pasik says after the words Vinistara, the Pasik adds Vihi Nitma'a, and she became defiled. So have a Oimer. From here I understand that the trade is hinting to me that the time of Stira is the time needed, Kedetuma. And again, the same expression, and that is defilement means Bia. No, there's a defilement just by the fact that they're doing Yicho together. There's other defilements, but we make it clear. And what is considered an act of cohabitation, it's not the full act. It's not when there was a gemar bia, when the entire avid of the man is in the woman. It's enough for them only kedei ha'ara, for there to be the initial, the beginning of the act. And that is also an act of bia, and that time is the time needed. How much time is that? So first, the b'raise brings kedei Chazoras Dekel, the time of the returning of a palm tree. Initially, we think that Chazoras Dekel and Hakafas Dekel is the same. And obviously, that's going to be a problem because this is said by Rabbi Eliezer. And let's not forget that in the first Braisa, Rabbi Yishmol was the one that said Hakafas Dekel, and Rabbi Eliezer gave another shir. He disagreed with him. And here he's saying Chazoras Dekel. So we're going to deal with that in a moment. The second opinion brought in this b'raisa is Rabbi Yehoshua. Don't forget that Rabbi Yehoshua in the first b'raisa said the words, the time that it takes to drink a revi'is of diluted wine, of drinkable wine. Here he says, the time that it takes to dilute a cup of wine with water. Benazai also was mentioned in the first b'raisa. Here Benazai says, the time that it takes to drink it. Rabbi Kiva, who also had an opinion in the first b'raisa, here is saying, the time that it takes to roast an egg. Rabbi Huda the time that it takes to swallow this roasted egg. And the b'raisa. And now we're going to go one by one. So first of all, the Gemara begins. Initially, we understood that that whether the wording is hakafa whether the wording is chazara, it both refers to the same act of walking around, circling around a palm tree. The question is, Hasam asks the Gemara, In the first b'raisa, Rabbi Shmuel was the one that says, and on this statement to Palik Rabbi Eliezer Alei, and Rabbi Eliezer disagreed. We're not even quoting what Rabbi Eliezer says, it's not relevant. Rabbi Yezid disagreed with Rabbi Yishmol. And here, Hachi Amar Rabbi Yezid, Kedei Chazoraz Dekel. And here what he's saying, what seems to be the same thing of Rabbi Yishmol, if it's the same, why did he argue in the first b'raisa? 
Answers the Gemara Amar Abaya, it's two completely different things. Hakafam, in the first Braisa, Rabbi Yishmael, Hakafas Dekel, circling a palm tree means Beregel, the time that it takes to physically walk around the palm tree. Over here in the second Braisa, when Rabbi Eliezer said, Kedei Chazoraz Dekel, Chazora means Beruach. In other words, after the wind swayed the branches of a palm tree, so it gets blown away from its natural sitting position, then the, the branch returns, so the time that it takes for the branch to go and then to return. And that's a different amount of time. Boy, Ravashi asks Ravashi, well, by the fact that you have nine opinions in the first Braisa, and some of them appear to be very similar to the other, nonetheless, there's a disagreement, because that's halacha. In other words, you need to know how long is the act of seclusion that will render her rasaita. Is it three minutes and 10 seconds? Is it three minutes and 12 seconds? It's going mamish down to the wire. Some of these shiurim are very similar, but they're not the same. So he wants to further clarify. When he's speaking about chazaraz dekel, so there's two ways of understanding it. There is a branch being blown in the wind and then returning to its place. But even after the branch generally returned to its place, it can still be moving a little bit. Or do we... Is it the time for it to go away from wind, for it to return, and for it to fully settle down? Another second. That's Gavaldic, so we'll get to that in a moment. In other words, the fact that Ravashi is asking such a specific detail, there are so many other questions to ask. How large is the palm tree? Who is the person walking? Well, at least from his question, we see that all of this needs to be asked. So let's read it inside. So by Ravashi, Chazara Baruach, does it mean is it only the time for a branch of a palm tree to go away from its original place and just to return? But to return, meaning it just returned. It's not fully stationary, or maybe it's a bit more. It goes and it comes, and then it has to completely become still. It has to completely stop moving. Teiku, I don't know, the question is standing. Going back to the Brais. Hossam asks the Gemara, the first Brais, what did Rabbi Eliezer say? The time that it takes to dilute a cup of wine with water. But in the second Brais, he said, the time of the returning of the branch. So which one is it? So says the Gemara, that is the time that it takes for Tchilas Bia which is the time of Stidim. Okay, so they're both the same shear, which is a great answer. So here we're seeing that the Tanoim themselves, understanding the challenge that we might have, like Ravashi had, exactly how much time is it? Right? Is it fully returning? Is it becoming completely still? So to clarify it, there weren't, they didn't have watches then. He, they couldn't say, ah, it's this amount of time, minutes and seconds. He gave another physical phenomenon, and when you put them both together, one will clarify the other. Asks the Gabbana over there in the first Braisa, what did the Tana Rabbi Yehoshua say? The time that it takes you to drink it. But over here, here he's saying the time that it takes you to dilute it. So the answer is the Gemara, instead of saying it's both the same shear, we'll see why it, they couldn't say that, answers the Gemara, what he meant in both Braises is not either the time that it takes to dilute or the time that it takes to drink. Rabbi Yeshua meant you need both. Stira is the time that it takes both for to dilute it and then to drink it. 
asked the Gemara, why couldn't you answer what you answered before? Velema, idi idi, Says the Gemara, it can't be, you cannot say that the diluting of a cup of wine and the drinking of that cup of wine is the same share. Because if that's the case, Imkain, Hainu Rabbi Eliezer, then the question will go back to Rabbi Eliezer. What's the question with Rabbi Eliezer? What did Rabbi Eliezer say? Kedei, Kedei Chazoras Dekel. And we just clarify that Chazoras Dekel of the second Braisa means Mezigas Akois. So Rabbi Eliezer is saying Mezigas Akois. If Rabbi Yeshua, if, 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 what does Rabbi Yeshua say after Rabbi Eliezer? Again, Kedei Mezigas Akois. So it can't be, then there'll be no argument between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yezir. So it has to be that Rabbi Yeshua is giving a larger share, and that is going to be both the pouring, both the diluting and the drinking. Vaiter asks the Gemara Hasem in the first Braisa, Ben Azai is the one that says, the time that it takes to roast an egg. And over here he says, the time that it takes to drink a cup of wine. So here we can answer, by the way, Teresus points out something very nice, that Ben Azai is a Talmud of Rabbi Kiva. More than that, we learned in Ksubis that Ben Azai, for a short period, married the daughter of Rabbi Kiva. So why is Ben Azai mentioned first? So Teresus explains, because when they're using the phenomena of the egg, before you swallow an egg, you have to roast an egg. So since Ben Azai spoke about roasting, Rabbi Kiva spoke about swallowing, so Ben Azai is mentioned before Rabbi Akiva. Again, asks the Gemara Hossam in, in the first Braisa, Rabbi Akiva says the time that it takes to swallow an egg. And over here he says the time that it takes to roast an egg. Answers the Gemara Ema. Here also, what Rabbi Akiva means is Kidei Litzlois Beitza Villa He meant both. Not like you, Ben Azai, who says only the time needed to roast an egg. You have to have the time needed to roast an egg and to swallow an egg. Again, asks the Gemara, why couldn't we answer, answers the Gemara, because if that would have been the case, then in the first Braisa, it wouldn't work, because Imkain, Hanu Ben Azai. White Ben Azai said, Rabbi Kiva said, obviously it's not the same shir. The halacha is like Rabbi Kiva, the way Rabbi Kiva is explained in the Gemara. No one's in the, in the Shulchan Aruch, at the end of Evan Ho'ezer, in Kuf Ein Ches, Hilchasoita, there the Machaber says that the time of Stira is the time Litzlois Beitza Vilagayma, the time that it takes to roast an egg and then to swallow it. In the Paiskim, there's a huge Machlaikas, how many minutes does that mean? And it varies from two minutes to nine minutes. It's also important to know the following, that you have amongst the Paiskim a three-way important argument regarding Isur Yichud. The question is, are these shiurim of stira the same shiurim needed for a person to violate the Isur of being secluded alone with a person from the opposite sex? So there are those opinions that say this is the same shir, and therefore, no, if we paskin, which we paskin like Rabbi Kiva, that the shir stira is, let's say, it's a chreis, six minutes. So that's the shir of yichud. And then you have other poiskim that go both ways. Rav Moshe is very lenient. Rav Moshe holds that by isur yichud, there is actually a little bit of more time. The time needed for seduction, that's the whole word from the Gemara, seduction and ha'ara'a. And then you have other poiskim, and we go by them, many of them that say that the Isur of Yichur is on a much lesser amount of time. 
Because the Isra of Yichud is not that we are afraid that they had an act of Bia. The Isra of Yichud is, not to, is to prevent them of becoming close, which that closeness might eventually lead to an act of Bia. And for that closeness to happen, you need much less time. The only thing they say is, is that, for example, when you go into an elevator, according to those Paiskim, they ask if a Yisr Yichud is on a minimum amount of time. But they say if you're going into a scenario where people know that there's, you're going in an elevator, Lamashul, and in a, a minute from then, you're going to come to another story. And even if you're going to the 30th floor, someone else can press the button in, in the middle. There, people are lenient when it comes to Yichud. Let's go on. Asks the Gemara, In the first Braisa, Rabbi Yehuda ben after Rabbi Kiva said, which we now clarified means the time that it takes to roast and to swallow an egg. Rabbi Yehuda ben said, He disagreed with Rabbi Kiva by saying, no, the time that it takes you to swallow three eggs. And here in the second Braisa, he only spoke about one egg. He said, and he was referring to the egg that they were speaking previously in the second b'risa. So is his opinion three eggs or one egg? Answers the Gemara that Rabbi Yehuda ben Beseda himself holds as it's written in the second b'risa that the shear of stira is the time that it takes to swallow one egg. I, in the first b'risa, he said three. Explains the Gemara. The devar of the Rabbi Kiva Ka'amar. He was telling, he was speaking to Rabbi Kiva. That what? That you, Rabbi Kiva, you say that Misha'aren Bitzliya Ubigemiyam, you, Rabbi Kiva, are using as the reference for the Zman of Stiron, roasting and swallowing. Roasting and swallowing an egg is the same amount of time needed to swallow three eggs. So he's telling Rabbi Kiva, why didn't you articulate your Zman? By giving an example, not of someone doing two actions, but of someone doing one action. And it would have been easier for you to give off your opinion by saying the time that it takes to swallow three eggs versus by saying the time that it takes to roast and to swallow one egg, even though it's really the same as mine. You say, Why didn't you say, why couldn't you say something simpler to understand? Which would have been, according to you, the time that it takes to swallow, a single action, which is taka the same time of tzaliyah, vigimia, And that's the question that he asked, basically. That's the challenge that he had to Rabbi Kiva. Then we had the seventh opinion. The opinion of Rabbi Elazar ben Yirmiya that says, the time needed to, for a weaver, to tie a string. So by Ravashi, same type of question he asked before by the Hakafas Dekel. Yeah, how long is that? If a string broke or was cut into two and you have to bring both ends together to tie them, well, how far are they? The farther they are, the longer it takes to bring them together. So ask Ravashi, are they far away or are they already close? Second more, second less. Take in the eighth opinion in the Braisa, Khan ben Pinchas Oimer, the time that it takes for a woman to put her hand in her mouth, Litoil Kesam to take out a splinter. Yeah, the splinter. Was it stuck? Was it wedged in between her teeth? If that's the case, pulling it out takes more time. Or was this splinter not stuck in between her teeth? What does he mean? Take home. 
Question of standing. Palemoi, the final opinion said, the time that it takes for a woman to stick her hand into a basket to take out a loaf of bread. And Ravashi is going to point out that Palemoi is the least clear one. First of all, the Mahadek or the Loi Mahadek. Is the bread wedged in the, in the basket or is it not wedged? If it's wedged, that means it's a longer shear. Question number two. Is the bread, is the basket, Rashi explains, a new basket? You know, the wicker baskets when they were new, so you had the edges of the leaves sticking out. And when that is the case, if you're trying to remove something from the basket, it can get stuck in those leaves. So you need more time. Or is it an older basket? which is already a smoothed-out basket. You need less time. Another question. Is the bread warm or is the bread cold? Warm bread is softer. Warm bread can break easier. So when you take it out, you have to be more delicate. Or is it already cold? Is it harder? Next question. As Rashi says, that wheat, bread of wheat is smoother. Smoother bread can slip out of your hand. So for you to chop a smooth loaf of bread, you need more time. Or is it bidisari? Is it made out of barley, which is already more coarse, so it's easier to grab? Another question, bidichicha, was the dough soft to begin with? So even if it's cold now, it's still softer, longer, or is it harder? On all of these questions, take um. The halach is like Rabbi Kiva, the machaber paschal is like Rabbi Kiva, and, and we, I'm telling you, in halacha, there's a lot of arguments. How many minutes is it? From two minutes to nine minutes. Is that the same time related to Yichud by a wedding? We just spoke this out. Yichud by a wedding. I just spoke this out. There's a three main machlikas. Same thing. No. Okay. Okay, so if we were saying over here, Rabbi Shlem is saying that it takes seven minutes to roast an egg. And how long does it take to eat it? To me, three seconds, four seconds. I'm saying it's between two minutes and nine minutes. But the Machlekes and Poiskim, they're not debating how many minutes are the other nine Tanoim. Because we pass them like Rabbi Kiva. So they all debate in Rabbi Kiva, how long is that? Hostel. Yeah, you have that. No, the fact that there is an opinion that it says it's nine minutes, it makes sense what you're saying is correct. Because it doesn't make sense that it takes that many minutes to eat one egg. Anyway, says the Gemara, that you should know, we spoke this out before, that when we have this nine-way argument, each one was reckoning the length of time through his personal experience. How can you say that? From the nine opinions, we had Ben Azai. And we know, or... For those who didn't learn Masechtos Ksubas, people think that Benazai never got married. One of the reasons why they called Benazai, his name was Shimon. Why isn't he called Shimon? At least say Shimon Benazai, because people who don't get married don't have their own name. That's one of the reasons. Another reason is, is because he passed away before he was 40. Another reason is because he had no children. But normally people think Benazai never got married. Really, he did get married. We learned this together. In Samach Gimel. So the Gemara says he didn't get married. So first of all, the Gemara says, no, He did get married. He got married for a short amount of time. And he said, I want to learn day and night. And the marriage didn't work because of it. Another answer is, 
that Mirabe Shemiyalei, even if you're going to say he never got married, doesn't matter. I, Rabbi Yechanan is saying that each one is sharing their experience. So what? He's sharing you his Rebbe's experience. Asks everyone, who was his teacher? Rabbi Kiva, clear. He married Rabbi Kiva's daughter. We learned this together. And Rabbi Kiva was his teacher. So here we see that he had another teacher. And people don't know who the other teacher was. The people don't know. They don't, it's not written any other place who the other teacher was. But we know from this Gemara that aside of Rabbi Kiva, that is mentioned teaching Ben Azai, he had another one. The Iba Yisaymon. And the third opinion is Sayyid Hashem Liyadeyov. Let's say he never got married. And he never heard it from his teacher. Tzadikim, Bredir Ruach HaKadosh, they know, they know things. Hashem reveals his secret to those who fear him. Now this doesn't contradict the concept of Torah Lava Shemaimi, because here they did not notify him in heaven a halacha. The halacha that stira is kedei tuma, kedei bia, kedei ha'ara'a, that's a halacha that we came to. The only question is, how long is that? That's not a halacha. They notified him from the heavens. It's exactly the time that they told him. Ironically, not everyone agrees with him. The halacha is not like him, even though God notified him. doesn't matter. God notified the other tanoim as well. In other words, their bodies, let's word it this way, a tzaddik's goof is a markova to kedusha, that whatever time is needed for him to have a ha'ara'a, that's a sign that this is, this is the time of the halacha. They're pure people. Their bodies reflect the truth of God. Okay, right. Now that we're speaking about, and now that we mentioned the Pasik of Mishli, which was used by Pulemai, right? When he mentioned the Pasik, we're going to start learning a whole sugya of Agadatim. Says the Gemara Dorash Rabavira, that Rabavira expounded Zimnin, sometimes he said the following in the name of Rav Ami, and sometimes Vizimnin, he said the following in the name of Ravasi. This in itself is a message. In other words, Rabavira was a darshan. He was an orator. They hired him to give speeches. He came to different crowds. Whenever he came to a crowd where people veer, where Talmidim of Rav Ami, so when he opened up his speech, he quoted something in the name of Rav Ami. Because what he's going to say was said by Ravami. Whenever he spoke to students of Ravasi, so he quoted the same statement in the name of Ravasi. You know what? You got to speak to your crowd. And what is the drasha that both Ravami and Ravasi said? That that whoever eats bread without firstly fulfilling the rabbinic enactment initiated by Shleim HaMelech, but then it developed, and it, which is that before we eat bread, we have to wash our hands ritually. And let's just speak out that in the Mishnah, speaks about washing each hand two times, as we'll speak out in a moment. Our minig Chabad and from others is to wash each hand three times, but we wash the hands consecutively. There's also an important machlekes rishonim, Rashi and Rif. Rashi holds that netilos yadayim means washing the fingers up until the first joint. Rashi. The Rif says that netilos yadayim means washing the hand all the way to the wrist. We go by the Rif. But we're going to learn the Gemara now with Rashi in a moment. So, so 
whoever doesn't fulfill this rabbinic enactment and eats the bread is ke'ilu ba al isha zayna. It's as if this person, God forbid, had a relation with a harlot, with a zayna. Shenemet as it says, ki ba'ad isha zayna. Again, literally it means that for an account of a zayna, up to the extent of a loaf of bread. It doesn't make sense. It's a cryptic word in Mishli. So he's learning it the opposite. In other words, that kikar lachem, that having a loaf of bread without natilas yadayim is just as bad as ba'ad isha zayna. Generally, the connection is, it's an act of hefkedus. People want to eat, and having acts of cohabitations is a euphemism to eating. You know, we're eating, and there are limits, there are restrictions. And people who don't undertake the restrictions on one, ultimately, God forbid, can, can, cannot put themselves under the restrictions of the other. Omar Rava says, Rava. Now this is a typical drasha. So you have a Pasuk and you're reading it backwards. Words, the Pasuk begins with Ba'adi Shazayna at Kikar Lechem. So the drasha reverses it. That Kikar Lechem is like Ishazayna. So asks Rava, that doesn't work. You can't reverse the Pasuk. Because like Rashi points out, because of the words Ba'ad and Ad. In other words, I don't mind, the Gemara doesn't mind when you make a drasha to take the Pasuk out of the context. But it can't contradict what the Pasuk is saying. If the Pasuk is saying that Kikar Lechem is like having a relation with an Isha Zayna, then it should have says, not Ki Be'ad Isha Zayna, Ad Kikar Lechem. It should have said, Ki Ad Isha Zayna, Ba'ad Kikar Lechem. People who understand grammar in Lashem Kodesh which one is like which one? What are you starting with and what does it compare to? And the base in the Be'ad, in the Reisha of the Pasuk, makes it clear that it's the opposite. That there's something regarding an Isha Zayna that is like Kikar Lechem. Asks Rav Ba'ad Isha Zayna Ad Kikar Lechem. Yeah, it's the opposite. It says Ba'ad Kikar Lechem Ad Isha Zayna according to you. The opposite, that call that whoever has one act, whoever cohabits with a with a lechem, the end will be that they're gonna become so extremely poor that they mamish won't have, God forbid, a loaf of bread to eat. Now, this is something that Shlema Hamalach said. There's the Pasig, the Roya Zainas, Ya'abid Hain clear that if a person is with, with, with harlots, they lose all their wealth. And, and here, this is similar. Because of a man living with a zayna, he doesn't even have a loaf of bread. Going back to Natal Sidaim, that are called and Nashi beautifully says that the word zilzul, whoever disgraces, Rashi explains, whoever never washes his hands. Notes before we were speaking about a person who once didn't wash his hands. Here we're speaking about a person who is, he, he completely disregards this rabbinic enactment. Here it's worse. It's not that they're going to become, God forbid, extremely poor, but they're going to die. They're going to be taken away from the world. And Ashi quotes the Pasik that the Ha'ivir, it's Mamish on the left of the Gemara, same line, that the Ha'ivir, al whoever goes against the words of the sages, is Chayiv Misa, is liable for fits his or her life. As it says in Koyhelis, that Opeiritz Geder, whoever breaches the fence that the sages put, Yeshichenu Nachash is bitten by a snake. And the reason why we're saying this over here is because 
like many other rabbinic enactments, here they, they, they told us some of their reasonings. And it, it's all connected to the fact that kaihanim, when they eat truma, have to make sure that their hands are not shniyos. Rabbinically, one's hands can have a low level of tumah that is able to make truma tameh. So a kayin, before he ate truma, needed to wash his hands. And in order for the kahanim to remember to wash their hands, all of us, before we eat bread, we wash our hands. Now, when people hear these reasons, people think, well, if that's the reason, today kahanim don't eat truma. Today we're tameh anyway. The reasons that they gave are irrelevant, so I don't have to keep it. This illness we have until today, this way of thinking. When the truth is, first of all, the reasons for the sages were never fully revealed. And even if they told us all of their reasonings, once the Chachamim enact a rule, that rule is engraved in stone, even if the reason is no longer applicable. The only way we can overrule a rabbinic enactment is only if we convene a basin that has the numbers and the wisdom greater than the original basin, and that's not happening until the coming of Mashiach, only then can that Beisden overrule if they, if they choose to do so. But this, the, 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 so, so we, we needed to uh, emphasize that after the Chachamah made a decree, you think it's not applicable? If you're Mazazel, but until you die, God forbid, it's not coming oil. That when we wash our hands before we eat bread, And if you're going to look inside the Rashi, you're going to see Rashi always speaks about fingers. That's why I just spoke out that that's Shitas Rashi, that until Yadayim goes to the fingers. So let's speak it out with Shitas Rashi. When you wash your hands, you have to keep your fingers up. However, but when you wash waters before you bench, before we bench, to take away we have to put our hands down. What's the logic behind it? It's very simple. We said that the hands have a certain level of tumma, And we're washing our hands to take off that level of impurity. So the din is going to be when it comes to water by rabbinic law, for sure, that the water that touched my fingers, the water became tummy. So the reason why the Mishnah says you have to wash your hands twice, you're washing your hands a second time to wash away the water that's tummy. However, what will happen if when I washed my hands the first time, the Rashi explains it, the water didn't only go up until the minimum needed Rashi, not lahalacha until the knuckles, the water went a little bit further. So the water touched my fingers, the water becomes tummy, the water went until here. What were to happen if when I washed my hands the second time, the waters didn't go all the way on top of the forced waters, it only went up to the knuckles. So it washed away the waters that are tamay in the place where the second wash hit, but there might be additional water from the first wash that was not washed away. If my hands will be turned upside down downwards, that water can come back on my fingers, and they can be metama my, my, my fingers. So if you keep your hands up, then we're not concerned about it. And don't forget, as the Gemara is going to speak out in a moment, you have to dry your hands before you eat the bread. Because even if the water is going to be tummy down here, as long as you dry your hands, you eat with your fingers, no one eats with their palms, and according to the rif, the whole thing goes until the wrist, the same logic, you wash until your wrist, maybe the waters of the first time went farther than your wrist, when you wash the second time, it only went up until the wrist, so there's still waters down on the arm area that's tummy, and if your hands will be facing the other way, that water can return. That's what he's saying. Now when it comes to Maim Achreinim, the reason why we wash Maim Achreinim, the reason that the Chachamim shared with us, is that they used to have certain types of salts 
that was used at the end of a meal to take off the grease of the food. So they had like as a salt with water that that salt somehow was better to have on your hands than the grease of the meat. I don't understand why. Now, when you had that salt on your hand, Pasha the Chachamim said that if a person accidentally were to then rub his eyes, that salt is so potent that it can make a person blind. So you're washing your hands to wash off the Melech Sodomus. You want to make sure that the Melech Sodomus leaves your hands. So when you're washing it, you're already putting your fingers down. So it should be washed off. Now, uh, the reason why we, our Minik Chabad, is that we wash our hands three times. This is written in Hasidus and many times. That when we are washing our hands, both the first and the second, as we just explained, is to take away Tumah. We don't want to do something that's only to fight the negative. So the first time we're washing our hands, water is purity. It's to wash away Tumah. The second time it's to wash away the Tumah in the waters. The reason why we wash our hands a third time is because now that we dealt with the Tumah, now we want to do an act that is just to bring more Kedusha. We want to finish with doing an act that is to add additional Kedusha on our hands. No, one, two, three, and one, two, three. Okay. Vaited in the Gemara. Continues the Gemara, Amar Bohu. Says Rabbi Bohu, oh, I'm sorry, Tanya Namihachi. Explains the Gemara a few lines up, and we learned the same thing in Abraisa, that Hanaitul Yodov, that when you wash your hands from the Tilas Yadayim, Tzarech Shiyakbir Yodov Lomaila, you have to pick your finger, you have to put your hand up. Why? Because maybe the first water is going to go under the joint, Larashi, the knuckles, Larif, your wrist. And those waters will not be washed off by the second throw of water. And then, if your hands will be facing downwards, the those waters are going to be metama your hands again. Whoever eats bread without first fully drying one's hands from the Natilas Yodayim, it's as if he's eating impure bread. Says Rashi, the first wide line, under the Gemara, why? Because when your hands are wet and that water touches the bread, it makes the bread davermous. It makes the bread disgusting, and something that's disgusting is chashav ketuma, is considered impure, and that's the meaning of the pasuk. Let's go back inside the Gemara. Shneman, as it says, that vayemen Hashem. That Hashem tells Yecheskel, Hashem told Yecheskel that he should make for himself a loaf of bread from barley. And he should put it in an oven that is warmed up by fuel that comes from excrement. Disgusting fuel. And he should eat that bread. And why should he do it? Because this is a sign that if the Jewish people won't do tshuva, that we will end up becoming, God forbid, so poor that the only fuel we will have to prepare our food will be excrement. And in other words, that God forbid we'll have to eat food that's disgusting, but the words that the trader uses for mo'uz is not mo'uz, is tamei. That Hashem tells Yecheskel, kocha, God forbid, tamei, why does the Pasuk say tamei? From here we see that mo'uz is called tamei. So you have to dry your hands. Now, now that we quoted the Pasuk initially, which is that... Um, that right, and we just interpreted it now. Either it means that if a person doesn't wash until a Sudaim, they become poor. If a, if a person has a relation with a Zoina, they become poor. Or it means until now that the time of Stira, 
is the time that it takes a woman to take a loaf out of the basket. So it says in that Pasuk at the Sefer, the Ashes Ish, Nefesh Yikaratatsud, that a married woman, she is going to seduce, she is going to ensnare a precious soul. What does that mean? That you should know that that if a person is arrogant, arrogance is such a terrible thing that it might lead the person at the end to have a relation with a married woman. As it says here, now with nefesh, you caught a precious soul, doesn't mean, like we say, ah, you precious neshamala. A person who thinks that they're precious, an arrogant person at the end, is going to have a relation with a married woman. The ashes ish, nefesh, you caught a tatsud, will be ensnared by the ashes ish. So again, Rava is asking, it's, it's the wrong way. Who is ensnaring who? You're interpreting it that a person who's arrogant, he will have a relation with the married woman. In other words, he will seduce the married woman. But here the Pasuk says that she will seduce him. If it goes to the arrogant one going after the married woman, hi nefesh yikara. first of all, it should have said nefesh gavaya. Precious is something positive. Nefesh gavaya is arrogant. number two, he, the soul, the person should be the one tatsut me and not the way the pasuk is written, which implies that the married woman had snared him. Elama Rava Rava says that kol habal whoever God forbid has a relation with a married woman, afilu lama even if he really learns taira. And what is taira regarding taira? It says yikarihi. Now taira is more precious than pininim. Then the one who enters inside, who does that refer to? The Kain Gadol Shanichnis Lefnai Vilifnim. So Taita normally elevates a person to a higher level than a Kain Gadol, which is why we learn together, if you're going way back now, that we're theoretically, when you give out Aliyahs, that when you have the one who's a real Talmud Chacham, he comes before a Kain, Vekachaya Deminik by certain Amirayim, and Taita protects the person, but the Taita will not protect the person from the punishment of Gehenim. She, meaning after the sin happened, the married woman is going to titsudenu, it's going to ensnare the person, and the person will be judged in Gehenim. And there is no, this overweighs that. Continues the Gemara Amr Rabbi Yechanan, in the name of Rabbi Shem Yochai, that whoever has arrogance, it's as if they serve idols. How is that? Because it says over here, that it's abominable to Hashem, those who are hori. And it says over there, and he quotes a Pasuk and Parshas Ekev, So just like the Torah calls, so Gvalev is called Toyeva. So the person ultimately, it's as if he serves Avedis Kechavim. And as we learn in Hasidus, that means that a person who serves the, the stars, they recognize that there's a creator. But they feel that after God created the world, there are other powers that have to be reckoned with. Rabbi Yechanan says it's worse. Rabbi Yechanan was in a later generation than the Rashbi. And by him already, if a person was arrogant, not only was he oivit gechavim mazalois, which means he believes there's a God, but there's also, you know, you gotta, there are other, there are other laws of nature that you have to honor. Ke'ilu kafar it's worse. The person will deny that there's a God. It's worse than oivit avedis gechavim. Again, he brings a pasuk in Ekev where it says that if v'ram that if your hearts will become hori, then v'shachach Hashem you'll completely forget Hashem, our God.
etc. Rav Chama Bar says it's even worse that if a person is hori it's as if he had a relation with all of the women with whom one cannot have a relation with, as it says over here again the pasuk in Mishlei that Toyavas Hashem called and it says over there, over there is the reading of Yom Kippur in the afternoon and Parshas Achrimois that. After we, the Torah gives us all of the different arroyos, it says, ki kol, ki es kol ha toyeva yisrael, etc., etc. So toyeva, toyeva, l'gzeda shava. And what this means over here, that when a person has doubts of emuna, if they did not sin, so then many times it's easier for them to be reconnected to Hashem. Well, if a person experiences a ness, Oh, so they'll recognize, ah, there is a God in the world. But if a person, God forbid, is hori, if a person had relations with women other than one's wife, then they become so coarse that even after they experience a miracle, it doesn't help them. They still continue with their doubts. Ula says, it's as if he himself becomes an idol. That's the worst. Ki'ilu banabama. Rashi says, it's as if he is, or he built, a avoidazara. Shanamar, as it says, and this pasik is used throughout Shast for so many different dinim. Here we're interpreting the Pasuk in Yeshaya that chidlu lochem, desist, stay away from a man asher neshama ba'apoy, whose neshama is in his nostrils. Here it means, who's arrogant. Arrogance is connected to the nostrils. Basically, keep your nose up. Why? Because if a person is arrogant, ki ba'meh what is he? Who is he? So says the Gemara, don't read ba'meh, not what is he? El Obama. He is Obama. He himself is like an Avaidu Zorah. No, it's contagious. Continues the Gemara. My, what's the meaning of the Pasik? Yad liyad lo yinakem. No, it's now that we quoted the Pasik in Mishli. Of Toyavas Hashem kol gvalev. The Pasik continues that Toyavas Hashem kol gvalev. And yad liyad. That hand to hand, he will not be spared. What does it mean? Hand to hand, he will not be spared. So Amar Rav. So Rav, and here the Bach very importantly amends, in our Gemara it's written, but we just interpreted this Pasuk as arrogance, the, 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 the spiritual degradation that is brought upon a person when the person chooses to be arrogant. So we have to change, says the Bach, that kol sheyesh afilu even if this person, in our jargon, did miftsayim, spread godliness in the world, like Avram Avinu, he made the world recognize that there is a God. Like it says regarding Avram Avinu, we just had this in Parshas Lech Lecha, that after the first world war recorded in the Torah, that he told Melech Sadaim, And Avram Avinu was the one that made God known in the heavens and in the earth. So even if he's like Avram Avinu, and there he said the words Yadi, still lo yinaka. He won't be protected from the fact that he's arrogant. You know, I had a good Rebbe in Cheder that told me that we say by, by Arvis, we say by Maidiv in Hashkivenu that Vahasr Satan, Milfanenu, Umeyacharenu. So, what does it mean? So, Milfanenu, we know what it means. Now, it's before we are about to do the mitzvah. So, the Satan tells us, don't do it. What's the Naacharenu? That after we did something good, the next Satan is, feel arrogant. Wow, look what I accomplished. So, even if you did all the great accomplishments, won't help you. Arrogance is never. 
accepted. Asks Rab, the Torah asked the Gemara, the Yeshiva of Rab Shila asked, how can you say that Yad Liyad is an allusion to Avram Avinu's attribute of spreading godliness in the world, that even that Lo Yenaket from arrogance, if that's the case, why did Shleim HaMelech say the words Yad Liyad Lo Yenaket? He should have said the same word in Pashas Lech Lecha, if he's hinting to Avraham. He should have said Yodi Miboya. Hello, Amri Devedab Shila. Yad Liyad means that even if the person is as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, regarding Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, that Moshe Rabbeinu with his hand, so to say, received the Torah from God's right hand, right, the, far, the fiery law, he received the Torah for us, even if this person is as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, if he's arrogant, now Rabbi Yechanan asks the same question. One second. Yad liyad. If Yad liyad is like Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu's hand received the Torah, so to say, from God's hand. Then Shleimah HaMelech should have said, Yad miyad miboyah. Not Yad liyad. Elam Rabbi Yechanan. We'll finish with this. Even if this person, hand to hand, even if this person has the highest level of tzedakah. In other words, he's giving tzedakah in a way that no one knows what he's doing. Even greater, the recipient doesn't know. No one knows. And regarding this, it says, in a Pasik Matan Beseser, that if a person who gives tzedakah in secret, that is such a great mitzvah that it overturns God's anger. It protects the person, but it's not going to protect him from arrogance. May it's a shem to be continued.